Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. 160 years ago, in a small town north of Atlanta, Georgia, a new church was born called First Baptist Woodstock. Fast forward 145 years to the city of Las Vegas. Because of the heart of the people in that small Atlanta suburb, another church was born. We call ourselves Hope Church. Since arriving in this dusty, exciting, wild, and amazing city, we've had an incredible journey. When three guys and their families arrived in 2000 to plant Hope Church, none of them imagined all that God would do. From thousands of people becoming Jesus followers, to churches being multiplied up and down the West Coast, to joining in God's activity on six different continents, God has been on the move in, for, and through His people. Which brings us to today. It brings us to a question. What's next? Clearly, God's been moving through Hope Church, and we don't want to miss out on what He desires to do next. That's why we've launched this campaign, simply called Next. The Next campaign is a three-year spiritual journey seeking the heart of God in answer to the question, what's next for Hope Church in reaching this generation and the generations to come? There are three components of the Next campaign, Next Step, Next Chapter, and Next Generation. With the Next Step, we seek to respond to the blessing of our growing fellowship by continuing the construction of our campus's master plan design. Since 2001, we've been riding a wave of the favor of God. We want to respond to this favor by creating and redesigning environments that will allow us to welcome more people to our gather time on Sundays, better attract children and students, and provide a venue for ministry and community events, all to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. With the next chapter, we seek to engage in strategic, spirit-led opportunities in Las Vegas, the West, and the world to make a lasting difference in people's lives. From impacting foster care and fighting human trafficking locally to sending teams and engaging people globally, we have some lofty goals. Together we can serve people, make disciples, and multiply churches, all for the glory of God. With the next generation, we seek to establish an even stronger foundation to raise up future generations of Jesus followers, those who will outlive us all and continue to join in God's activity in the future. The work that God is doing in and through us is not only bigger than our church, it is bigger than our lifetime. At Hope Church, we believe the greatest days for our fellowship are yet to come. As we seek to answer what's next, you have a part to play. First, pray and listen to God. Second, obey His voice as He invites you to join in His activity. Finally, trust that He is able to do more than you could ask or think. God has blessed us at Hope Church, and we can't wait to see what's next. Amen. What you just saw in that little video recap is the culmination of about 15 to 18 months of 
our pastors, our stewardship team, uh, our staff team, our volunteer leaders really seeking the face of the Lord together about what's next for us as a church. And I got to be honest, after being a part of that journey for the last 18 months, it's kind of, it's a little bit surreal to see it in a little three-minute video uh, after you have for 18 months sought the Lord and asked for God's direction. Um, and I just got to say as, as I begin this morning, I'm so grateful to be a part of a church where the pastors, the stewardship team, the staff team, and our key volunteers so value hearing God speak into our fellowship. Um, that's just something we don't need to take for granted. We have an incredible team of leadership here that is driven by the motivation of what is God saying? What is God leading us to do and to be about? And we've been wrestling with that question now for 15 to 18 months. What's next for us as a church? And you saw the recap. If you weren't here last weekend, let me highly encourage you to go online and watch last weekend's message. It's going to be one of the most important messages, I think, that maybe I've ever delivered here at Hope as we were really casting vision for the next 10 to 15 years for us as a fellowship. And uh, so if you weren't here, go back and watch that. The video kind of recaps it. But here's what I want to attempt to do this weekend. This weekend, I want to look at the scriptures and I want us to seek to lay a biblical foundation so that we can understand that everything that we shared with you last weekend is not our plan for Hope Church, but it's God's plan for His church. When we unpacked that and rolled that out last weekend, what we really were drawing and gleaning from was what the New Testament teaches us about the church. Here's the reality that we live in today. Many people see the church as simply a place that you attend weekly to get spiritual encouragement and direction. That's what a lot of people think the church is. It's this place you go to, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to church. Oh, I know where the church is. Or, hey, I'm at the church. Church is a place that you go to, and you go there once a week, and the reason you go is to get spiritual encouragement, spiritual direction, a spiritual pick-me-up, if you will, to make it through the next week so that we can come back and get picked up again the next weekend, right? Now, it's not that that's not a part of what we do as the church. A part of what we are as the church every week is gathering together to glean from God's word and be discipled in the truth of God and to worship God together. And that is encouraging. It does provide direction in our lives. But the reality is the church is so much more. The church is the vehicle through which God is changing the world. Did you hear that? My favorite story out of last weekend's services. It was a little five-year-old boy that was here with his mom in our services last weekend. And when he got home, he had two takeaways from the sermon. The first one was to his mom, Mom, Pastor Vance is going to be a grandpa? Like, he's old. And that one didn't bless me too much. But here's the second one. Here's the one that I, I love. He said, Mom, did you know our church is going to change the world? And I was like, yes, 
That's exactly what we're talking about, raising up a generation of Jesus followers who believe with all of their heart that the church that Jesus died to establish is going to turn the world upside down. It's not just this little place I go to to get a pick-me-up. It's the agency through which God is on the move, turning the world upside down. Down. God is on a mission to change the world. And what God is doing is so much bigger than Hope Church and so much bigger than just building a building. That's one of the reasons why we're talking about this facility expansion as simply the next step because that's all that it is. It's the next step that allows us to respond to the growth that God is sending us that will be, then we'll be able to, to disciple more people and that will fuel the next wave of God's activity in and through our church. God is on a mission. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Well, what is God's mission? What is God's mission? Let me, let me show it to you in a statement. God's mission is the expansion of his kingdom to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Read that out loud with me. God's mission is the expansion of his kingdom to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. At the end of the Bible, there's a scene in the book of Revelation where John, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, at this stage in his life, he's been exiled to an island called Patmos. It's an island that's 10 miles wide at its widest point and six miles long at its longest point. And John is there all by himself every day. He's been exiled for preaching the gospel. All the other disciples were executed for preaching the gospel. John was exiled. He's the only disciple to die of natural causes, but he did so alone by himself on an island. And while John one day was on that island walking with the Lord, spending time with the Lord, the Lord appeared to him and said, John, I'm about to show you something. I'm going to show you what it looks like at the end. And John, I want you to write down what you see. And we have that record written down as the book of Revelation in the Bible. Revelation chapter 5, I want you to notice, John writes something about a scene at the end of the age. Look at it. He said, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. You know what the whole story of the Bible is? The whole story... Is the Bible of the Bible is God on a mission redeeming and restoring that which was lost because of sin. 
God created human beings. God placed them on this earth, and he did so to enjoy a fellowship relationship with him so that they could rule and reign over the earth, enjoying fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. But sin entered the picture in the book of Genesis, and sin brought death. We died in our ability to have a relationship with God. All of creation is groaning from the consequences and the curse of sin. But God promised a Messiah, one who would come and redeem and restore that which we lost because of sin. And now God is on a mission, birthing a people to himself, a kingdom out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And it's happened because Jesus Christ came, died on a cross, defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave, rose again from the dead so that you and I could be born again into relationship with God. Now, one day, the king is going to return. And when the king returns, those who've been born again into his kingdom will reign with him out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation for all eternity as the kingdom of God. That's the story of the Bible. Right now, God is on a mission establishing his kingdom. And here's a reality I want you to see. Look at this. The church is not the mission. The church is born for the mission. The church is not the mission. Hope Church is not the goal. Can I let you in on a secret? Maybe I shouldn't tell you this because of what we're asking you to do right now, but I'm going to be honest with you. One day, Hope Church will die. You say, that's not very encouraging this morning. You're asking us to pray about sacrificing and investing and getting involved in what God's doing through Hope Church. And now you're telling me one day Hope Church is going to die. Why would you say that? Here's why I'm saying that. Because all churches do. They have a life cycle. They're born, they live, they die. If you don't believe me, travel to any church Paul planted in the New Testament. Go to Philippi. Go to Corinth. Go to Ephesus. Go to Thessalonica. Go to any of the, I have stood in the remains of the church at Ephesus, the church that Paul planted, the church that was mightily used to expand the gospel and to proclaim the, the message of the kingdom of God in the first century. The church at Ephesus is dead and gone. It is a pile of rubble where that church used to gather and send out missionaries to touch the peoples of the world. The church is gone, but get this, the kingdom of God is alive and well. The kingdom of God. God is expanding to every corner of the globe. So the church is not the mission. The church is born for the mission. Why are we talking about what's next? We're talking about it because the church is born when God birthed Hope Church. He birthed our church for his redemptive mission. Nowhere in Scripture is this more clear than in Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to open it to Acts chapter 1. 
We're going to look at one verse of Scripture here in, in Acts. Just before the church is launched in Jerusalem. If you know your story of the book of Acts, you know that chapter 2 is grand opening, right? Chapter 2 is when they have the first public worship gathering in the city of Jerusalem post the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They preach the gospel on that day and 3,000 people are born again into relationship with God. Brand new church is born in Jerusalem. But just before the new church in Jerusalem is launched... Jesus speaks to his followers, giving them instruction concerning the mission. Acts chapter 1, I want you to look at verse number 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem... And in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Out of that one verse of Scripture, I want to share with you four things about God's mission that relates to where we're living right now as Hope Church. Here's the first one. God's mission is always bigger than one church. God's mission is always bigger than one church. If you'd ask me for most of, or let me say it this way, for the first half of my ministry life as a pastor, if you'd have said, Pastor, what is the book of Acts about? I would have said to you that the book of Acts is about the birth of, of the local New Testament church. It's about the the planting of that church in Jerusalem. And it's about the the, the expanding of the church and the growth of the church as you read the book of Acts. I'd have said that's what the book of Acts is all about. It's all about the local church. But did you know that's not what the book of Acts is about? Let me show it to you. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Look at verse 3. Look at what it says. It's right here on the screen. He says, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Now, you know what that's talking about. When Jesus died and rose again for 40 days before he ascended back to the right hand of the Father, he made appearances to his disciples, sometimes in groups of just a couple of people, sometimes as many as a couple of hundred people. But Jesus, for 40 days before ascending back to the Father, now here's the significance of this. It's the last 40 days Jesus walked on earth physically. Last 40 days. And look what it says he was doing. Speaking of the things concerning the what? Isn't that interesting? Jesus spent 40 days, his last 40 days. And the Bible says all he talked about was one thing. It's almost as if he said... If you forget everything else I've taught you, don't forget this. Shouldn't surprise us. Because at one point in his teaching ministry, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 to seek what? First the what? 
kingdom of God. And that's not a suggestion that he was laying on the table. It was an imperative. Jesus said everything in our lives as Christians should revolve around the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's the big picture of what God is doing in the world. It's the mission of God restoring to himself a people out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Jesus, for 40 days, all he talks about, kingdom of God. Turn to the very last two verses in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. Look at these verses up here on the screen. Verse tw- chapter 28, verse 30, it says, And he, now it's talking about Paul, not Jesus. He stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. This is not Paul on a condo on the beach on vacation. This is Paul in Rome under house arrest for preaching the gospel, facing execution. It says, and he was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the what? How about that? Paul's got two years left on planet earth, and then they're going to execute him for the gospel. And Paul, the Bible says, he was welcoming all who came. Here's what that means. If anybody got within earshot of Paul, he said, hey, come here, sit down. I need to talk to you about something. And here's what he was talking about. The kingdom of God. The book of Acts opens with Jesus for 40 days talking about nothing but the kingdom of God. The book of Acts closes with Paul driving home this principle of the kingdom of God. And in the middle of that, in the middle of that, we find the local church born let me give it to you in a statement look at this the church is the gathering place to disciple people in kingdom living and the launching pad for sending them out for the expansion of God's kingdom locally and globally here's what's happened in our culture We only think the church is the first half of this. It's a gathering place where we come together to be discipled. It's a gathering place where we come together to pray for one another and meet one another's needs and establish ministries that that connect with one another. It's a gathering place. And listen, that's true. That's part of the reason that the church was established, to be a gathering place, to disciple people in kingdom living, to introduce them to King Jesus and to disciple them in what it looks like to be a kingdom citizen. But then it's also a launching pad for sending them out for the expansion of God's kingdom locally and globally. And now what's happened in American Christianity is that we've shifted our focus to the church instead of the kingdom. We've made the church the goal and missions, missions is just this little thing that we do as the church. We've substituted what is the tool, the temporary tool Jesus established for the expansion of the kingdom, and we've made the tool the goal. The 1970s and 80s in America, there was a movement that began by a couple of men by the name of Donald McGavern and C. Peter Wagner, and phenomenal men that God used in a great way to impact the church, but, but the movement got labeled the church growth movement. And we got focused in America on growing the church. The problem is Jesus never gave us that commission. As a matter of fact, he said just the opposite. He said, 
I will build my church. That's my job, Jesus said. You go into all the world and make disciples. You focus on the kingdom being expanded locally and globally. I will take care of my church. But, but can I just be like real transparent? <laughs> Every pastor in America wrestles with this tension. If you are in vocational ministry as a life call and an occupation, our culture so breeds the success mentality that there is a tension that you wrestle with between growing a growing church that's making disciples and the commission to multiply the church and expand the kingdom. It's such a tension that sometimes you get to places like where we are in the life of our church and you say, well, why build another building? Just, just plant more churches. Just plant more churches. And listen, that's the heartbeat of what we've tried to do. We started 42 churches in our first 16 years. The problem with that has been for us The more people, we've sent out over 400 people. The more people we send out, God doubles them and sends them back in. And and here's the realization that, that I've come to in my heart. It's not either or. You either grow a church or you expand the kingdom. It's both and. God grows his church to expand his kingdom. God has been growing our fellowship, but not so that we can sit back and say, man, look at us, we're growing. No, God's growing our church so that through us, he might expand his kingdom in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. And the last thing Jesus said to his church before ascending back to heaven is reminding them of the massive scope of the mission. The church is about to be born in Jerusalem, and Jesus gathers them on a hillside, and here's what he said. Hey, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but it's not just about Jerusalem. He said, and Judea and Samaria, and notice this. He didn't say then Judea and Samaria. Do Jerusalem, then go to Judea, then. No, he said Jerusalem, and at the same time, Judea and Samaria, and at the same time, the remotest parts of the earth. Some people hear us lay out a vision like what we laid out last weekend with Next, and they say, man, why why don't we just focus here on Las Vegas? We got a lot of lost people in Las Vegas. Our city is known all over the world as Sin City. We, We need to engage here, and that's true. But listen, the mission demands more. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the remotest part of the earth. You know what that is for us? Las Vegas, the West the world. Why do we say Las Vegas, the West, and the world? Because it's a catchy three-phrase slogan? No. What we tried to do was take the New Testament principle that was given to the early church, which was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Start in your city, reach your region, and then go to the ends of the earth. That's the target. And so at Hope, we've tried to lay down a biblical framework, Las Vegas, the West, and the world. 
And some people look at our church and they think, man, what do you think you guys are, a missionary organization? This is a church. We're supposed to come here and be fed. The church was born for something so much bigger than that. There's a mission. John MacArthur said it this way. The sphere for witnessing is as extensive as the kingdom. All the world. That was and is the mission for the church until Jesus comes. God's mission is always bigger than one church. Here's the second reality about God's mission. God's mission is always empowered by his spirit. Do you hear what the text said? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power is the Greek word that comes from a root that means to be able. It's talking about the sovereign ability of God. It's, t- it's the same word that's used in the Gospels to describe the miracles of Jesus, the power of God, the supernatural, omnipotent power. Here's the point. God has given us all the power we need in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish His mission. When we start thinking about Las Vegas, the West, and the world, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, it starts to seem like an impossible task. But here's what he was reminding us. All the power that we need to accomplish the glorious redemptive mission of God, he's given us in the abiding, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Jim Cimbala said it this way. I love this. Look what he said. If we want to spread the gospel... If we want to see Christ glorifying conversions, if we want to see breakthroughs in difficult, even seemingly impossible situations, we must have more power from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent so that all of us, whether or not we're in formal ministry, could reach out to humanity and rely on a power beyond ourselves. When I think about what we laid out last weekend with the next campaign, there's a lot of it that seems impossible. I mean, just the next step, just the step, nine and a half million dollars, that's, that's, that's beyond our wildest imagination. To think about nine and a half million dollars. That, that seems like an impossible thing. But, but then you get into the next chapter of ministry. We talk about these strategic spirit-led opportunities. We begin to talk about things like foster care and human trafficking in our city. It seems like an impossibility that one church could really make a difference in some of these arenas. We start thinking about reaching 1% of the western United States, up to a million people in the next 10 years through church planting. We talk about reaching unreached people groups in places in the world that are difficult and dangerous. You start talking about laying a foundation so that children who've yet to even be born can run in those tracks and expand God's kingdom and maybe finish the global mission of God. And I'm just telling you, it seems impossible. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. The things 
that are impossible with people are possible with God. Do you believe that? Do you believe with the innocence of a five-year-old child? God's going to use our church to change the world. I wrote this down this morning as I was praying through this section. The church of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, can and will accomplish the mission of God. Everything He's called us to, everything He's spoken into our lives, every bit of it can and will be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in and through us together. When God calls His people to a mission, He's always faithful to make a way. We can trust Him. One of my favorite verses on this journey of joining in God's activity in Las Vegas over the last 16 years has been 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Listen to this verse of Scripture. Paul writes and he says, Faithful is he who calls you. And if he'd stop right there, it'd be a good verse just like it is. But thank God for the rest of it. And he also will bring it to pass. Here's what that means. He's not just faithful in the calling. And then expects us to figure it out and come up with a plan and carry it out on our own. He's faithful in the bringing to pass. I remember when our church started 16 years ago and the very first couple we met was a couple by the name of Lowell and Edna Thomas. We'd all come here, young church planner guys, all in our 20s, all with young kids under the age of six or seven years old. And we thought, man, we're going to come out here and reach a bunch of young families. And the first family we met, the first dinner I had was with Lowell and Edna Thomas. And they were both over 70 years old. And I thought, Lord, this doesn't look at all like what, you, what I thought this was going to look like. We get this couple, and I shared with them the original vision that God had put in our hearts of people planning in partnership, seeing thousands of people in Las Vegas come to know Christ, seeing 10 churches planted in the first 10 years, working on continents around the world. And I'll never forget that first dinner that I had with Lil Nedda when I told him that because at this point, there was no church, there was nothing. We hadn't even moved here. I was just out here on a trip meeting with them, sharing the vision. And Lowell looked at me and he said, man, you're crazy. <laughs> but here's what he said. He said, man, if half of that, if half of that happened, my wife and I want to leverage the rest of our lives to be a part of that. And they did. Lowell's now in heaven. He's with Jesus. He's with the Father. But for 10 years or so, they were engaged and involved in the work here in Las Vegas. And here's what I believe God's given us now. God's given us the next 10 to 15 years. And here's what I'm telling you looking backwards. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. I'm reading right now on my God time through the book of Acts. <laughs> and I am blown away again by the direct link in the book of Acts between the church praying and God moving in power. 
over and over again. Acts chapter 1, they prayed in verse 14, and then the Spirit of God came in power. Acts chapter 2, they prayed. Acts chapter 3 and 4, they prayed. Acts chapter 6, they prayed. Over and over and over again. I'm just underlining everywhere in the book of Acts that it talks about the church praying and God moving in power. God's mission is always empowered by His Spirit, but the pipeline by which we tap into the omnipotent power of Almighty God is prayer. At Hope, we say it this way. When we seek God in prayer, we experience God in power. So I'm going to give you a date to think about. May 17th. <coughs> it's the Wednesday night before Pledge Sunday. On May 17th, we're going to have a night of prayer here on our campus. And it's going to be a night of prayer like you have never been to in your life. We are going to have prayer stations set up all over this campus. It's designed for individuals or for whole families, even for children to be a part of this. We want kids to learn that you can pray and see God move in power. I'm asking you to join us on that Wednesday night, May the 17th, and let's just Bathe this in prayer. Let's cry out to God. Let's seek God in prayer so that we can experience God in power. I'm telling you, we're going to have stations set up. It's going to be the most interactive night of prayer we've ever had. We're going to prayer walk this entire place. So join us because we know we're desperate for God to move. Amen? Here's the third reality about God's mission. God's mission is always about people coming to know him. It's always about people coming to know him. Did you hear what he said? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. It's literally, you shall of me be witnesses. Meaning that we are called, the mission is to tell them about Jesus. And when he said you here, it's you, plural, right? You've heard me talk about this before. In the South, we got a word for that. It's y'all. This isn't you singular. It's y'all. He's talking to the crowd. He's talking to the church. You shall, don't miss this, be my witnesses. He didn't say you, the church, shall do some witnessing. He said you shall be My witnesses. Here's what that means. The mission of God is not what we do as a church. The mission is who we are as the church. The reason he called us to himself is so that Las Vegas, the West, and the world could be changed. It's about people coming to know Jesus. Aren't you thankful that you know Jesus? Wait, I'm going to ask that again and give you another shot at that. Aren't you thankful that you know Jesus? Aren't you thankful that he changed your life and rescued you? Listen, there are people all over Las Vegas who do not know Jesus. There are people up and down the West Coast who do not know Jesus. There are people scattered all over the world who do not know Jesus. And God birthed our church so that we could live on mission and tell them about Jesus. That's what it's about. Then someone may say, well, then, Pastor, why, why are we doing foster care and human trafficking and education? Why are we involved in these social areas if it's all about telling them about Jesus? Well, I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> a friend of mine named Eric Swanson wrote a book a few years ago called The Externally Focused Church. I want you to look at this quote on the screen. Listen to what he said. It is in meeting needs through service 
that meaningful relationships develop. And out of relationships come endless opportunities to share the love of Christ and the gospel of salvation. Barriers to the gospel melt away when people are served and blessed. It has been said there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But there are a thousand ways to Jesus. By creating a thousand entry points into the community, we create a thousand opportunities to show the love of Jesus and share the good news about Jesus with the city. Why do we engage in things like foster care and human? Why is that? Because they build bridges into the city that allow the gospel to walk out of our lives into the city and engage people and tell them about who Jesus is so they can be rescued out of darkness and brought into the light. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. Here's the last thing. God's mission is always accomplished through his people. God's mission is always accomplished through his people. Now, God didn't have to do it this way. God could have sent angels to do the mission. God could have raised up animals, <laughs> given them the ability to speak supernaturally to carry out the mission. But God in his infinite sovereignty chose that the mission would be accomplished through his people. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Every time the word you is used here, it's always you plural. The point being, he's speaking to the church. The point being, he's speaking to you. To us. Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria ends of the earth. God is at work in this world accomplishing his mission. He is doing it, but he will do it through his people. So what I hope you've seen in this passage of scripture is what we rolled out last weekend as a vision for the next 10 to 15 years is rooted and grounded in the same mission God gave his church 2,000 years ago. For us, it's next, but it ain't new. It's the same mission God gave his church 2,000 years ago. What we're trying to do is look, discern from the Lord what does that look like in our generation. But God's going to do it through us together. I want to close this morning by sharing with you three ways that we're asking you to be involved over these 21 days. Three ways we're asking you to join with us. The first is desperate prayer. We're asking you over these 21 days to pray for Hope Church, to pray for God's provision, to pray for God's faithfulness to pray for God's miraculous power. We've given you a 21-day prayer devotion. We've invited you to join us on <coughs> May the 17th. Why? Because we need to pray. I don't want you to answer out loud, but you've been praying this week. We experience God in power when we seek God in prayer. You praying? We want you to join us as we pray. Number two, 
We've asked you to be involved through sacrificial generosity. May the 21st is what we're calling Pledge Sunday. Our goal is $9.5 million that we're trusting the Lord for. And I just got to be honest with you. We've been talking about this for 15, 18 months, but after last Sunday, this got really real for me because it got really vulnerable. You know what it's like to say, hey, we believe the Lord's led us here and throw something like this out and then go, okay, Lord, please, God, you have got to show up. You got to show up. We're asking you to seek the Lord about your own personal sacrificial investment over the next three years in what God's leading us to as a church. Then here's the third way we're asking you to be involved. We're asking you to be involved personally. To invest time impacting Las Vegas, the Western world. As we've talked about these different initiatives locally and globally, some of you have already responded and said, man, God's put that on my heart. I want to be involved. What do I do next? Here's what you do. You stop by the next tent outside and you say, hey, my name is so-and-so. Here's my email address. Here's my cell phone number. And I'm passionate. I want to get involved in this thing about foster care. Or I want to get involved in working among these peoples around the world. Or I want to get involved in this area or church planting. Whatever, whatever God is touching your heart about, you can stop by, give them your name, contact information, and we'll start after May 21st bringing people together around tables, having forums and discussions where we can begin to map out what this strategy looks like as we engage Las Vegas, the West, and the world for the glory and honor of God. So there they are. Pray, sacrificial generosity, and then personal involvement. In, in, in God's kingdom work, we don't pay a few, a few professionals to go do the work. We equip all of us as the saints to carry out the work of the mission of God. That's what it looks like when the church lives on mission. Let's pray together today. Father, I pray in the stillness of this moment, God, that you would, Lord, have your way. God, as we prepare now to respond to you, Lord, would you speak to us? As you sit there in the stillness of this moment before the Lord, in just a moment, our team's going to lead us in a song of worship. It's a time to respond to what we've heard God speak today. This morning, a few things are going to happen. First of all, If you're here and you do not know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God. You're not a part of that story that I told earlier about being redeemed through Christ, experiencing forgiveness and a relationship with God. If you don't know Jesus today, when we stand and begin to sing in just a moment, we have some of our pastors that are here at the front. We would love to invite you to come today to take one of these pastors by the hand. And here's all you have to say. All you have to say today is, I need Jesus. That's it. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with God. And here's what I hope that you're hearing in what we're sharing right now at Hope, that a relationship with God gives you meaning, purpose, and significance in life. It's not about making money, buying homes, establishing retirement accounts. It's about joining in the mission of God that's eternal. There is significance and purpose and value in following Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, 
I invite you to come to one of our pastors today and say, I need Jesus. For others today, maybe you already know Jesus and you just got something on your heart, your job, your health, a relationship, a marriage, whatever it is, and you just want one of our pastors to pray with you. We'd be honored to pray with you and pray for you. You just come. We'll pray with you. For others of you today, my prayer is that God is beginning to speak to you about your investment and involvement in His mission. We're going to take these steps up here at the front and open them up like an old-fashioned altar. Maybe you would just want to come and just begin to beg God on behalf of our church. If you sense the Spirit prompting you to just come and get in this altar and just pray for our church, pray for God to provide, pray for these initiatives, pray for foster parents or pray for people trapped here in our city, pray for the Western United States. If you sense God leading you, just come. and We want to seek God in prayer. For the rest of us, it's a moment for us to worship God in song. So Lord, we invite you to have your way. Speak to us today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.